thank the Lord for this church. And um, I will, uh, this, this may just be a Bible study. And um, the reason being is I have coughed and coughed and coughed and coughed and coughed. And um, I, uh, I couldn't call in sick. So uh, we'll just do the best we can. And, uh, and I, I know it's the word, so it'll be, it'll be something good. Um, but the Lord can help us. Amen. I'm going to read just one verse of Scripture, Revelation chapter 1. And I'd like to read verse 3. The Bible says there, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. I've heard it said before that this, you're blessed by reading all the books in the Bible. There's none other that speaks directly the same that this does. It tells us that if we dig into the book of Revelation, that we're, we're blessed by that. And so if we're blessed by that, then it ought to be a book that we desire to look into and to master. And, uh, and so let's ask the Lord to touch our hearts here tonight. Lord, I am I'm thankful for this church. There are so many testimonies tonight so many things God that you're doing Lord in the lives and the hearts God of, of people here in this congregation I ask you Lord tonight that you would continue Lord to touch their hearts their lives keep your hand about us Lord we are at the end God do not let that distress us do not let us be fearful. Lord, do not let us be filled with anxiety and worry. Help us, God, to put our complete trust in you, knowing, God, that you completely have everything worked out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> Sister Laura and Sister Champion, I want to sing that song at the end. And... Um, so, I am uh, <clears throat> calling this the beginning of the end. I really had intended on preaching a, a real high-energy message about praising the Lord, but it takes a lot of wind, and, and I'll save it until next week. Um, but this is... <laughs> the beginning of the end. John, whenever he got this prophecy, the book of Revelation, the word there is apocalypsis. Um, we sometimes get the word apocalyptic, and that's always kind of a, a bad term that, that people look to. And uh, yet, Really, what that means, apocalypsis means the unveiling or, or the opening up to help us to be able to see. And uh, 
<clears throat> we ought to be in the book of God. And um, my uh, text messages this week has been buzzing and uh, a lot of encouraging things. My email box has been buzzing as well. And um, Sister Kay Curitan and Sister Robbie Kovac, thank you for what y'all are doing. And uh, the hand of God is in the middle of what y'all are doing. And um, and don't think that the enemy is going to try to just let you just waltz on through and do what you're doing. There's going to be opposition and challenge with what's taking place in that. And um, I uh, <clears throat> I have to, when, when Lauren works 12 hours uh, at the hospital, uh, I have to go home at lunchtime and, and water her horse. <laughs> it's really a golden doodle that weighs about 40 pounds, and he's a friendly horse, but he's, he's a big dog. And so I go let him out. And um, and I've I've noticed, and she's not in here, so I'll um, kind of just, just brag on her a little bit. So whenever I go to her house, I see uh, generally I will see books that she's got out where she's been studying, and um, a Bible and highlighters and various things like that. And uh, then this morning, Brother Justin made some reference to um, the lesson that she taught. Uh, I'm thankful, and Sister Kay Curitan and and Sister Robbie doing some similar things, different ways, just getting into the Word. Um, we, we've got to have that. It, it can't be just when you come to church, that's the only time you ever open your Bible. Uh, you, you've got to interact with the Word of the Lord. And um, I teach a Bible study to various people uh, here, have been doing so over the years. And uh, probably about two years ago, I started a Bible study with John Paul and Brittany Miller. And, um, and so Tuesday night, two weeks ago, uh, they came in. And um, and uh, Brittany, you 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 need to take a look at her Bible. Um, she had kind of, I guess, gotten into the place where that we all get into sometimes, and you're just checking it off. And then she decided what she needed to do was just to slow down and stop, and just start taking her time and working through that. And so that meant some early mornings, I think. 5, 45, 6 o'clock or so that she gets up and and she spends 45, 30 to 45 minutes every morning, maybe even as long as an hour, and uh, writes down things in her her journal and, and in her Bible. And uh, she's done a good job uh, with that Bible. And so two weeks ago, uh, she comes in and... Uh, Bible studies after we've done Search for Truth and various other deals, it, it just kind of turns into kind of just a freewheeling. You just go and move, and and um, 
various places in Scripture. And I, I would just say this about John, Paul, and Brittany both, and y'all be prepared. The enemy's going to come after y'all because of what I'm saying. Um, but the transformation that's taken place in their life, uh, certainly in the last 18 months, is incredibly remarkable. Some of the lifestyle choices that they have made and uh, some of the people that they have, have cut out of their lives because those relationships were not healthy. And so um, two weeks ago, they came in and we started the Bible study. And it so happens that, that Brittany has been working through Jeremiah. She's worked through Ezekiel. And then she is already now moving into the book of Daniel. And so uh, she said, I, I want to ask you some questions. And I said, okay. And, uh, and what I didn't know was that she was going to run the Bible study that night. And, uh, and so she started. And uh, I would just ask her a question. And then she would start telling me what she had found and what she had dug out. And uh, she had managed to... Uh, take the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 38, 39, some of the things taking place there, some of the things that takes place with the temple that starts around chapter 40. And then she had gotten into all of the um, uh, things in the book of Daniel, the outflow of the world governments and various things like that. And uh, so I would just ask her a question and then she would start and, she, of course, she had her journal there and had her Bible. And I have to say, I, I was pretty, I was, I was so encouraged and I was thankful that she had the, the discipline to dig that out and to find out what the Bible has to say without really a preacher, a teacher, because the Word of God can be opened up to you if you desire a relationship with the Word. And uh, so I, uh, I kind of I want to help some of you here tonight. We are at the end. Now, I'm not saying it's tomorrow or next week or even next year, but there are indicators that we are moving rapidly toward everything that is, unwind or that is winding up for our days. And uh, I just want to tell you some of the things that, that, that I do. Maybe there'll be uh, some things that, that you do. But first of all, if you're going to understand what the Bible has to say, you're going to have to read it. And I hear people say, well, I don't like to read. Well, I'm just saying now that if you don't like to read, it's going to be very difficult for you to hear what God has to say. You'll walk around looking for whims and dreams and visions and words and, and various things, and God does use those things. But if there's no rigorous discipline where that you sit down and you read the Word of God and you study the Word of God, it's not going to unfold itself to you. And... Um, and so, so again, books and, and reading and expanding your mind. And, and uh, sometimes I, I believe that even fiction is a way to kind of help us to grasp what's taking place. And here 
recently I have read several books written by a fellow by the name of Joel Rosenberg. And uh, I have, have read a book called The Kremlin Conspiracy, The Persian Gamble, The Jerusalem Assassin, and then he's got another one called The Beirut Protocol. I haven't read that one yet. But here's the thing about those books. As those books are woven into a modern story, but there's a scripture line that follows along with what's taking place. So as you're reading the story, if you know something about the Bible, then you start a, are able to put these things together here and there. Some major players that we find whenever we start looking at these end times and these major players are spoken to us in Ezekiel chapters 38, 39. Obviously, there are more. Uh, Ezekiel 37, the vision of dry bones. A lot of times we've looked at that and we've thought we've preached it and we've taught it. Boy, it's revival, bone coming to this bone, that bone, the neck bone, the thigh bone, the hip bone, that song they used to sing. And uh, we, we kind of, man, that's revival, that's whatever, but that really is a picture of the Lord putting Israel back together so that we can see how this thing unfolds. Whenever you get to Ezekiel 38, you find in the first six verses there that there are, are some, some places that are mentioned. You find Gog, Magog, you find places like to Gorma, you find places like Persia, you find various other, you find Cush, uh, Ethiopia, various places like that. But when you look at an ancient map and you start looking at these countries, then it becomes very clear that what's taking place in our world today now is not Persia, but it's Iran and it's Turkey and it's Russia and now it's Sudan. And Sudan kind of is in a major lead place. Our media is not telling us what's going on. And so whenever you start digging in and you start finding alternative news sources, you start realizing that things that are in the Word of God, that they are being cinched up. And so again, there is a also there's a, a looming peace treaty that, uh, is taking place or is, is kind of looming on the horizon, and here's what's going to happen with that. It's going to affect Israel, and there's going to be a time, a short period of time, where that there is peace and prosperity that takes place, but then the Antichrist is going to come along. There's going to be a huge war, and then the last three and a half years of that tribulation period is going to be opened up. So now whenever you start thinking about the matters of COVID and you start looking at what took place in that particular area, now we live in a surveillance society. We are moving toward a digital currency system, and it's kind of just all, some people say it's falling apart, but it's not falling apart. It's all falling together. And what we're being doing, what's taking place is we're being softly conditioned for this world ruler to step on the scene and then the Lord is moving the chess pieces around the board. Always remember this, God is completely sovereign. He's completely in control. 
And so I want to point out some things here tonight that, that maybe will kind of open your eyes up. And, and uh, the Bible study that we did the other night was two and a half hours, and I know that you don't want to hang around for two and a half hours, and, and some of you think it's just rambling or whatever, but when you really dig into it, it's pretty mesmerizing how it draws you in to what's taking place. And so let's look at Ezekiel 38. And 39, these nations are going to invade Israel. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, look at Ezekiel chapter 38. And uh, I did not give all these scriptures to Hannah because these are handwritten. And so she's going to have, uh, she'll try to keep up with us. But if you got your Bible, look there in Ezekiel 38 and look there at uh, verse verses 11 and 12. The nations are going to give, they're going to invade Israel. Why, why is that? It's because there is wealth that is there. Look at verse 11. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. That speaks of peace because there's no walls there. I will go to them that are at rest that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take a spoil and to take a prey to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. And you're saying, how in the world is that going to happen? Because we've constantly seen here in the last six months out of Syria that there are rockets that are being constantly shot there toward Israel. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be somebody that's going to walk on the scene and they're going to put together a peace plan. And all of that stuff is going to cease. And whenever it all ceases, then Israel is going to be, there, there will be a time of brief prosperity. What, why else will the nations invade Israel to control uh, the Middle East? The, the third thing that, that they will do is they're coming in to crush Israel. Because here's the thing, if you look at Israel on a map, it is totally surrounded by Islamic nations. And these nations, they hate God. They hate Jehovah. And they're going to come in and they're going to take the nation there in Israel. And then because of that treaty that has been formed, turn over to Daniel chapter 11. And I want you to look uh, with me to verse 40. Because the Antichrist has made this allegiance with Israel, then what they're going to do is because they hate Israel, then they're going to hate this Antichrist, and so they're going to challenge his authority. What does that look like? Is You see it in verse 40 of Daniel chapter 11. And at that time, the end, shall, and, and at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships. And he shall enter into countries and shall overflow and pass over. He shall enter also into the glorious land and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. 
I preached about Lot's wife this morning. He had two daughters. Those two daughters ended up being the father of their, their children. Lot was the father of the Moabites and the Ammonites, and here they are showing up at the very end. You see how all this thing is woven together. And critics of the Bible want to talk about how that the Bible doesn't make much sense or I can't understand it. I think probably part of that is because people don't read the Bible. But look there in verse 42. He shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. But he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and over all the precious things of Egypt and the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. They are the kings of the south. But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. And therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and to utterly take away many. And then here's what's going to take place. The Antichrist in verse 45 is going to set up there in Jerusalem. The Bible says, And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain, yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. Now how in the world is he going to be destroyed? Revelation 19 tells us that that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come along and the Bible says it like this, he's going to be destroyed with the breath of the mouth of our Savior. And at that moment, that's whenever you're going to realize that the Lord indeed is the winner. And um, we may read Revelation 19 here in just, just a few minutes. Israel will be under... Again, that peace treaty with uh, the Antichrist. And so if you attack Israel, then what you've done is you have attacked the Antichrist. And yet our world is moving toward that direction. I would just tell all of us here tonight, if your relationship with God is not the premium in your life, it needs to be so. You need to save yourself from this untoward generation. And so whenever they attack, it's going to look like Israel is finished, but God will be in complete control, and he's going to come to their rescue. And so how in the world is God going to save Israel out of that? Turn back in your Bibles to Isaiah 38, and you find the answers there. And uh, look there in Isaiah chapter 38. And look with me to verse 19. Isaiah 30, I mean Ezekiel, I'm sorry. Ezekiel chapter 38. And look with me to verse 18. Here's what the Bible says. And it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. So that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the breast of the and the beast of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence 
and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. What's he talking about? There's going to be a great earthquake. And that great earthquake is going to take place there. And so whenever this, this, this folks, these, uh, uh, this, this prince, this Gog comes against them, Magog is Russia. And so they're moving in that direction. And God says, uh, wait a minute, I'm going to take care of my people. And so there's this huge earthquake. But something else happens. The Lord also, in verse 21, the Bible says, And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God, and every man's sword shall be against his brother. What does that mean? The Lord's going to start an infighting with all of the armies, and they're going to start fighting among themselves. We kind of read about some of that this morning whenever Brother uh, Wells was teaching a lesson about Jael and Sisera or about Deborah and Barak, that these armies, they start fighting with themselves. And the Lord's going to use that to take them down. Something else takes place. Look at verse 32 or 22. (coughs) The Bible says there, And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him and overflowing rain and great hailstorms, fire and brimstone. You say, what, what's going on in that verse there? Well, look at the first part. There's going, there's going to be a challenge with pestilence and with blood. There's going to be diseases that are going to be turned loose. And these diseases are going to come against the armies. And then there's some more keys, torrential rain, hail, storms, fires, burning sulfur. All of that is going to take place. You see that in verse 22. You say, that's far-fetched. Well, we read about it this morning in Judges chapter 4. And you really read it when you read Deborah's song. She starts talking about how in the world did Sisera, how did God destroy them? Well, he led all their chariots. Remember, brother? Wells talking about that, and those chariots got down in the riverbed, and the Lord sent rain in there, and they all bogged themselves down and got bogged down to the axles. And so the Lord just used some rain just to stop and to hinder that, and yet you start seeing that prophetically something that was written more than three thousand, almost 4,000 years ago, 3,600 years ago, that this is written. And the Lord's like, this is, this is what I'm going to do because I'm going to protect my people. Now, now think about this. He's doing this to protect his people, not his church. His church is his bride. So if he's going to do this to protect his people, you better know one thing. He's going to do even more to protect his bride. No weapon. We sung that tonight during one of those songs. No weapon formed against us is going to prosper. You know where that's at? Anybody? It's in Isaiah 54 and 17. You ought to underline that in your Bible. You ought to pray that. You ought to just tell, tell the Lord, remind that Lord don't need to be reminded of that, but there's times where that in prayer you just tell the Lord, Lord, your word says that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. 
And so whenever you start looking at that, earthquakes, infighting among the nation, among the, the, the nations and the troops, diseases, rain, hail, storms, fire, burning sulfur, all of this is going to take place because it's God's plan and God's purpose. I remember whenever I was a kid, we were living in Niceville, Florida. Uh, Brother Wayne Pounders came in, and Brother Dennis would, I think Brother Dennis had him there a couple of times. And uh, I remember that, that he would start on a Sunday morning, and uh, he had a big bed sheet that he had drawn, and he had it, had it strung up on the platform there, and he had an old antenna. And he got off of a car, and he used that as a pointer. And he would, he would point out what was going on at the time. I didn't know it, but it was Clarence Larkin's chart from Dispensational Truth, and Brother Pounders would teach that. And uh, so my dad <clears throat> was working at Colonial Bakery long hours like Brother Chad and Brother John worked. And so my dad was not able to be there on, on the weeknights, but uh, to compensate for that, we had an old reel-to-reel uh, tape recorder. And uh, so I remember sitting on the front row, and my mother would take that reel-to-reel tape recorder. This was before cassette tapes. This was in the early 70s. And uh, my mother would record that so that my dad could listen to it. I sat there on the front row. I was terrified. Because he'd start talking about all the things that were going to take place in the book of Revelation. We don't have very much of that these days anymore. People don't, they don't have much of a fear of the Lord. They don't have much of a fear of what's coming to this earth. Hear me, church. What we're doing tonight is the most serious and important thing that's in your life. And I'll just tell you this. If you miss the rapture, you will wish to goodness that all the boredom and apathy and disinterest that you had in the kingdom of God and in the house of God, you'll wish to goodness you'd paid more attention. Because I'm just going to tell you this, your soul is the most important possession that you have. And the most important commodity that you have is not money. It's time. And sometimes I, I get in here and I get to listen to us worship. And I get to thinking, man, we're, we're spoiled. We got good music. We got good singing. But I've been in a wide variety of, of places in the last month. I've been in places where there was no piano. There was no drums. There were no guitars. There was nothing. It was just a cappella. And it was off key. And yet, you know what I did? I sat up on the front row and I got up and clapped my hands and worshiped the Lord and thanked God for the feeling that I felt there. In other places, various things. I'm just telling you now when you walk in to the house of God, we can't sit on our hands. We, we can't stifle down our hearts. There's got to be something that you do to open your heart up and say, thank God that I'm in the house of God. And so uh, 
anyways, brother Pounders and and all the, it was back in the seventies and those men there was a multi several of those men that would travel through brother Benjamin Urshan, Carl Ballastero, various others that had those charts like that and they would they would bring them through those churches and they'd do it every single night start on Sunday night and go Monday night Tuesday night Wednesday night Thursday night Friday night Saturday night Sunday morning Sunday night. I know it was a different day. But sometimes I think we just make excuses. And it's not a priority. And so I'll move on. There are some key elements that, that you start seeing here in the aftermath of this invasion. What, what's it going to look like? Well, look at chapter 39 and look at verses 4 and 5. Here's what Ezekiel prophesies. He said, And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand, and thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands and the people that is with thee. And they're fallen in death. And then here's what he says. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beast of the field to be devoured. Look at chapter, look at verses 17 through 20. It says, And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, Speak unto every feathered fowl and to every beast of the field, assemble yourselves and come and gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that ye may eat flesh and drink blood. Ye shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, and of goats, of bullocks, all of them fatlings of Bashan. And you shall eat fat till you be full and drink blood till you be drunken of my sacrifice which I have sacrificed for you. Thus ye shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots and mighty men and with all men of war, saith the Lord God. Um, now here's where, here's where cross-referencing takes place and this is where Brittany went the other night. Okay, early in the morning, while some of us are still asleep, and Brittany's at a kitchen table, and she's reading about all this mayhem. And then she wants to tell me about it. Because here's the way the Word of God works. When you start digging things out, you get to be like Jeremiah. It's like a fire that's shut up in your bones. And you got to tell somebody about it. And so turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19. And I want you to look <clears throat> at verse 17. Here's what John says. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may be that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and of the and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small 
small and great. What's John talking about? The same thing that Ezekiel was talking about in Ezekiel 39. That's the part where you start putting this thing together and start realizing that these are the things that are coming on this earth. There's something else that he does. Turn back to Ezekiel chapter 39. Talks about the burying of the dead. He even tells us how long it's going to take. Look there in uh, chapter 39, verses 11 and 12. It says it like this, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of graves in Israel, the valley of the passengers on the east of the sea, and it shall stop the noses of the pastors, of the passengers, and they shall, and there they shall bury Gog and all his multitude, and they shall call it the valley of of Hammon Gog, and then notice how specific that the word is. And seven months shall the house of Israel be burying them, that they may cleanse the land. And if you remember what they said about Armageddon, you remember how high that the blood is going to be? To what? To the horse's bridle. You start thinking about that. Like, oh, that's just a that's just metaphorical literature. No, it's, it's the Word of God. And where the Lord says He created the world in six days, and we believe that. And where the Bible talks about that it, He was resurrected on the third day. How it talks about all the miracles that we know that they took place as well. And then when you start getting to the Word of God, and it says that the blood is going to flow to the bridle. That's going to be a lot of bodies, and it's going to take them seven months to bury that. You say, oh, you're trying to scare us. I wish I, wish I could. I, I, wish, I wish I could scare you. I wish I could reason with you tonight about your soul. Even for those of us that the Spirit of the Lord has regenerated us and that we live in a place of, of a new birth, I would just plead with you as well to ask you this question. What is your relationship with God like? What does your prayer life look like? What does your devotion to God look like? Again, this is not about money, but since it's Mission Sunday, how much money have you given toward missions in the last year? That's, that's where you're at with your priorities. And whenever you ask those kind of questions about the condition of your life, do I live a crucified life? Then those are the things that plays into what I'm talking about here tonight. The Bible also tells us that the bodies are, are that the burning of the weapons is going to take seven years. Look at verses nine and ten. Ezekiel thirty nine. It says, And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth. And they shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows and the hand staves and the spears 
and they shall burn them with fire seven years so that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forest, for they shall burn the weapons with fire, and they shall spoil those that spoil them and rob those that rob them. Says who? The Lord God. Not Ezekiel, but this is what the Lord God has to say. What else is going to take place? Well, they're going to bury the dead. They're going to burn the weapons. They're going to call for the birds and the beasts to feast on the bodies. But there's something else that takes place. Look in verse 16. The Bible says there, And also the name of the city shall be Hamanoah, and thus they shall cleanse the land. What does cleansing speak of? It speaks of salvation. Look at verse 23. The Bible says there in the heathen, shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they transgressed against me. Therefore hid I my face from them and gave them into the hands of their enemies. So fell they all by the sword. Then look in chapter 39 and verses 6 and 7. The Bible says there, and I will send a fire on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord, and so will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will let them and I will not let them pollute my holy name any more, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Look at verse 21. The Bible says there, and then I'm going to set my glory among the heathen, and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed and my hand that I have laid upon them. And so the house of Israel is going to know that I am the Lord their God from that day and forward. So amidst all the mayhem, the Bible talks to us about salvation. So it's even still in the book of Revelation that the, that the grace of God is at work. And it has the ability to secure us and to save us. So let's, let's stand. Now I want this praise team to come up and they're going to lead us in, in a song and, and then we're going to dismiss. And by the way, prayer revival that we had this week, Monday night, Tuesday night, was a tremendous time that we spent here. And uh, found out something, and I'm going to brag on this person as well. Sister Kirkland and the, and the Bacos were here. And uh, because of some of the help, issues that Sister Bacos has had in recent months. Her her ability to travel and be around has been very limited. But they were here. But Sister Kirkland was here and was able to take place in our prayer revival. And I found out this about Sister Kirkland. Sister Kirkland prays an hour a day. And she prays for a lot of us. 
and a lot of other needs. There are people in this church that are praying. And a lot of times we don't even realize they're praying for us, with us. And um, I know this is odd for Sunday night. I've coughed my way through most of the day. I didn't cough too much tonight. But while they're singing this song, if you want to, you want to just step out from where you're at. Just step down here in this altar. I just want to tell you this, okay? You cannot afford to miss the rapture. You can't afford it. Whatever it is in your life and in your spirit that seems to be a little crossways and not right, I'm I'm just asking you tonight to repent. That, that means to turn around and walk away and let the Lord cleanse our hearts and our spirits. There, there is a glorious bride that He's coming back to get. Let's worship with them as they sing.